0: Childhood cancer is one of the grimmest things that anybody can possibly deal with. But what if, what if a child who has cancer can give you an incredible lift with laughter? That's our story today on episode number 23 of The Cancer and comedy podcast. Hello, my friend. I'm Dr. Brad Miller. And I had an episode around Christmas time of 2022 when I got diagnosed with cancer. It was devastating to say the least. One of the things that lifted me up was spending some time with my two small granddaughters who helped lift me up with laughter. That's one of the reasons that I created the Cancer and Comedy podcast, which combined my 43 years of pastoral experience, my doctoral degree in transformation leadership, and my love of laughter, comedy, and podcasting in order to serve you. We've been able to serve a lot of people here in Cancer and Comedy. Maybe, just maybe, our story today will help serve you. If you're ready to be uplifted by the story about a child with cancer, Then listen on, my friend. Listen on.
1: Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Hey there, Lifter Uppers, I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we crush cancer with stories of healing through hope and humor, something we like to call turning the grim into a grin. We are so grateful that you made it here. Today, we're going to be talking about children and how cancer with them impacts what we learn from children. This is a good one. Here is the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller.
0: Hey, hey, thank you, Deb. Always appreciate being with you here on Cancer and Comedy, the podcast where we do indeed look to turn the grim of cancer and some of the depressing and some of the frustrating, upsetting parts about cancer into the grin of celebrating life. And we're talking particularly today about understanding the role of children in this story, but we know that cancer is one of those things that can lead to depression and sadness. We're recording this around the holiday time, and that can sometimes be a particular issue uh, during the holidays of sadness, loneliness, being upset, depression. If you've been impacted by cancer in your life and have been devastated in one form or another, just maybe, just maybe, we, we can be helpful to you. We have a free course. It's called the HHH course, Healing Through Hope and Humor. It's a five-day course, 15 minutes a day on audio for five days. And the idea is here is to help you to cope with hope and develop a credo, a statement that will help you to to deal with and to cope with cancer. You can go to cancerandcomedy.com slash free to find out more about that. Hey, Deb, did you know that uh, once in a while kids – can really set you in your place with just a few words. Have you ever been around around any kid who kind of can, with just a few words, just set you straight?
1: Oh, uh, you know, it's because they just tell the truth. And and sometimes they're a little bit brutal about it. Sometimes they're really funny with it.
0: I know, I know, I know. I heard about this one little girl, four years old. She went to the dentist for a checkup for the first time. And the dentist, he was just trying to be a friendly guy. And he just said, "Uh, Hey, uh, how old are you? uh, How old are you? The little girl held up four fingers. And the dentist said to her, kind of kidding around, what's the matter? Can't you talk? And the little girl shot back with all seriousness. What's the matter with you? Can't you count?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honest to a a, a fault, right?
0: Honest to a fault. Yeah. Well, Deb, indeed, today we're going to be uh, talking about how we can learn things from, from children. We're going to talk about cancer and children, and how that impacts the family, and about how we can learn certain things uh, from children that can help us to be lifted up even during the process, even if they're the ones who've been impacted by cancer themselves it's a little bit of a tough topic in a way because we don't like to hear about children being uh sick with anything really but particularly something as serious as cancer but it is we do have experienced moments of joy and wonderment that really uh oftentimes really comes when we're around children. You know, we often think, Deb, about cancer being kind of an older person thing or an adult thing, an adult experience, but cancer is no respecter of age, and even children can be impacted by cancer. What do you suppose kind of goes on in a family when they find out that a child has been impacted by a cancer.
1: You know, our, our guest today is is phenomenal. And when I think about having a child with cancer, I'm not a parent. I simply cannot imagine what they go through because, you know, it's it's one thing for it to be an adult and especially an older adult, because we kind of think, well, you know, we've been there, we've had those experiences, we've lived a good life, right? But when you look at having a child, with cancer it's got to be just unimaginable what you are going through it's incredible the stories that we hear both from our guests and and from others as to how they deal with it uh you know it's it really is something that is is so much of a challenge
0: i've been blessed in a way and also had to deal with the reality as my in my career as a pastor to deal with a, a number of situations where there were sick children and I will say, even in my own uh, case, uh, my own daughter, a preemie baby, and was sick quite ill, mm-hmm. diseases related to you um, know preemie when she was first born. And there's something really just heartbreaking and wrenching about children, especially young children, being sick and dealing with cancer. And I've seen that from a perspective as a pastor and as a dad, and certainly seen the situation happen where there's some real uh, tragedy as well. I've had a few funerals. Of very small children, very infants, and so on. And that's a very, uh, I will never forget those experiences impacted me. But you know what else I don't forget also is how many times being in children's wards and hospitals and my own daughter and other people in my life uh, have been impacted me with some real joy, laughter, giggles, uh, perspective, playing with toys, uh, all that kind of stuff is um, important and it impacted uh, me and I want us to learn today from our conversation.
1: You know, our guest had a successful career, has a successful career as a television news anchor. And his daughter was an infant when she was impacted by cancer. I believe four months was when they got the diagnosis. She was just four months old. And in our conversation today, he talks about the devastation and the impact that this diagnosis had on his family and how his daughter, even as an infant, actually helped to see the family through this crisis with humor,
0: The gem of that story for our actual interview in a minute, but I want you to know, do you really want to stay around for our conversation with Cody Adams from Wish TV, Indianapolis, to really get the, the gist of, uh, of the matter of where how his daughter saved the day?
1: Well, following the interview, you definitely want to stick around for Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day, and then our faith it or break it segment, and of course, our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you can be a part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story on how you crushed cancer with hope and humor? Just go to cancerandcomedy.com slash voice message and tell us your story.
0: Our special guest today is Cody Adams. He is an anchor at Wish TV, W-I-S-H-TV in Indianapolis, Indiana. He hosts two stories shows on Wish TV, Lifestyle Live, which is a nationally syndicated television program, and the All Indiana program, an infotainment program, which focuses in on the stories and the happenings in central Indiana. And I was privileged to be a part of his show a while back. Cody,
2: welcome to Cancer and Comedy. Thank you for having me, Brad. I appreciate it. It's nice to be on this side of things. Usually I'm the one hammering people with questions, and so it's fun to be on the other side
0: it's fun and we get to do here on a podcast we get to do it a little bit more than uh, four-minute segments yes right at a that time. is and true too a, you're a tv guy cody and it uh, seems like you really love it do you uh, uh, tell me how you feel about it. it it's one of my favorite things yeah you're yeah. part of tv and you're on the air a lot here i know that i'm not sure how often but it seems like every time i turn on the television here locally there you are yeah that's a good
2: thing for me that
0: th- 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 that is we like uh, to keep it that way uh, for- uh, one of the things i I find interesting about television, there are certain television programs stick with you. They stick with you. For instance, I recently hosted a comedy event, and one of the characters played a Barney Fife character from the old Andy Griffith Show, which goes back to shows of my age and my era a little bit. But I'm curious, Cody, about a television, since you're a TV guy, tell me about a television show or character that just made you laugh or just really was resonated with you.
2: My one of my favorite shows of all time is Modern Family, Phil Dunphy, that character, and just absolutely it crushes me every single time. I've my wife and I and, and family have rewatched that show probably four or five times, and something about just his genuine humor in that. And then also the way he, you can tell, even though it's a character, just the way he loves his family just absolutely makes everything even more hilarious on a deeper level because you know he really feels a certain way about them and so he's constantly trying to appease them but hilarity kind of ensues in some of that yeah
0: he's also got that little naivete yeah, a little bit of a little bit of uh Hyper energy. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes inappropriate. So that's good. I love to talk about television and things and kind of pop culture things that yeah. impact us because that's a, a part of our psyche and part of who, what we are, are about. And, but tell me a little bit of how you got into TV
2: then, how this became a part of a career track for you. So I'm a, a radio guy originally. I love, love radio. If it was there monetarily, (laughs) that's where I would like to be is in the realm of radio, because I think that it's allow it allows those big conversations, right? You can continue to talk and and you have a little bit more room. And I initially started in sports. So I did a lot of play-by-play, color commentary. What happened was I was at Indiana State University. I'm from Indiana, born and raised in a little town called Rochdale, Indiana, a town of 800 of us, one flashing stoplight, all that. And when I was in school, India State didn't have a communications program. I was electronic media, which was way back before. Now we use our phones for everything, right? Like we shoot every story. There's probably cell phone footage in everything we do. That wasn't the case when I was first coming up in this. And I remember a professor being like, Hey, you need to learn how to use this because this is going to be it. And so that's what what the major turned into was using podcasts and social media and and everything to create one cohesive entertainment and and media platform. And so while I was at Indian State, I started working for the local TV stations there, and which was cool because I grew up watching a lot of those people being in Terre Haute with family and that sort of thing. Started out in sports initially. And a news director very wisely came to me one day and said, Hey, listen, I know you love sports, loved it. And she was like, I really think you should try doing news. And I said, "Ah, I'm not doing news. I don't want to be around the doom and the gloom and it's not me. And I was sure I was going to be on ESPN. That's really what this was going to be, right? It was was your aspiration. I was going to be on ESPN. Be on the big desk in uh, Connecticut, right? Me and Scott Van Pelt were going to be hosting the (laughs) show together, all of that. And she said, listen, that's not happening. That was probably the first moment in my career where I was really thankful that someone just truthfully spoke to me and said, you got a lot of talent. It's not there, though. And so she said, I, I want you to try news. And I, I, I really pushed back. And finally, she said, honestly, you don't have a choice. I make the schedule. You're doing this. <laughs> and so she sat me at I, she, I actually filled in anchoring on the weekends. There was a, a new position that was opening up there and she was really trying to find somebody. And she loved sports guys doing news because of the ability to ad lib and really have conversation and really feel a moment and all of that. And so I, I stepped into it. And the first show, I was just like, "This is totally different from sports." It was everything. There was new stuff every time, and and you really had to change the way you read. And and when a certain story was sad, or when you felt empathy, or all of those things. And I was like, "That's fun." And it actually just worked out where I ended up getting that job in Terre Haute, and I thought I was going to be there forever. I was set. I was like, "I'm going to work at 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 this station for the rest of my life." And as fate has it, things don't work out that way. I moved away to Texas for a little bit to do a main anchoring gig. Literally be down there, went to Lexington, did mornings. And then I, again, in Lexington, I was like, I'm going to be here forever. I loved Lexington. It was right in the middle of COVID. And things just went downhill with as things did for a lot of people during COVID. right. right. And I said, man, we just need a change. We need to get back home to family. And I happened to look at Wish TV and the thought of working at a legacy station like wish tv legitimately honestly i, I never thought that was going to be a possibility that's just, it's just i'm a kid from rochdale yeah. like if they said rochdale on the news even for weather we we're like oh my gosh this is amazing i reached out to the news director al carl just come to be a reporter got a call the next day came in for an interview called in sick at my last job so that I could come in <laughs> for the interview yeah uh, you know you got to do what you got to do, do. Right? and then when i got here It was like – I've been here two years. It's been a whirlwind, man. I started out as a reporter, moved into anchoring some weekend stuff. They moved me to mornings. I started filling in at the desk on the mornings, and all of a sudden I move into Lifestyle, and now I'm hosting this Lifestyle Live nationally syndicated show. It's been absolutely insane and I've loved every second of it, and I think that's what makes it easy to come in each and every day.
0: That's so. cool. And if you love something, it makes it easy to come in, and time goes by quickly. Y- yes. and and there's a certain energy and vibrancy to it. It seems like you even the even the people you work with the seem the the vibe I see around here at least.
2: That that's the best part. Of this job, being able to come in and know that I've got people here that have my back, I've got their back, and I just genuinely enjoy laughing with them. The sports department, we play Family Feud every single day. I, at 321, I go in there, we do fast money, and I think great. that helps. That's great. And, the, and, when you have joy in
0: your life, it makes a big difference, especially yeah. when you have some challenging things in, in your life that, that, that come along. And it sounds like uh, you really enjoy that and you enjoy telling stories, too, don't
2: you? I love it. That's my favorite part. What makes a good story? The people. Yeah. It, a person makes a good story, right? And it doesn't have to be the most amazing story you've ever heard in your life. But each person really does have their own story. Years of experience in some cases. But it's those little things that make your sure. stories. Sure. And you've got your own story as well. Tell me the story. Tell me about your family a little bit, because I know that's another important aspect of your yeah, story. The most important, for sure. I met my beautiful wife, Nicole, at Indiana State University. And then we got married very quickly because I knew that was the best I was doing. Yeah. It, was, it was nothing better than that. And I wanted to make sure that she didn't figure it out before. Are you saying you like, married up? Is what you Oh, you're man, i married way up. It, it doesn't even make sense. And then we had our, our first beautiful child shortly after that, Madeline. The feeling of having a child is so insane. It doesn't make sense that you could love something as much as we love her. Had a, had another daughter shortly after that, but my first daughter was born with a rare form of leukemia. Yeah. So, so well, let's go there for a second because yeah. it sounds like things
0: were, in many ways, you've had a you've had a blessed life. Would you for feel, sure? So you've had. Some really good job opportunities. Not everybody has those same opportunities. You have had your ups and downs to be sure, but you've had some good job opportunities. You married up, you had two, two daughters. Yeah. And then you mentioned here how you had
2: some challenges. Yeah, Something came along. Tell me the story about what happened there with your challenge with your first daughter. So here's the wild part, Brad, and, and just not to go way back, but there was a summer in, I was 23 years old. Both my parents died that's, okay. that same summer, oh three God. months apart. Wow. My mother passed away from breast cancer. My father passed away from drug addiction. Just a really difficult time. And and I looked at my wife and I said, listen, I we've, now is the time. I need a family. We, we've got to do this. So when we found out we were pregnant with Maddie, everything was on the up and up. It was like, this is exactly what we've waited for, a beautiful daughter coming our way. And things were. They were fantastic for the first three months. We were just so happy. But my wife... God bless her so smart, just kept saying something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Something's not right. And so we took her to pediatrician, regular pediatrician's visit, and the doctor was feeling around in her abdomen area and just his face just turned ghost white. And he goes, there's a mass here. This needs to be checked out. We're going to send you to Peyton Manning Children's Hospital. And I want you to get some blood work done. We'll have some things taken care of. And you don't know what's going on at all. You have no idea. Your first thought, having dealt with cancer, is a um, mass isn't usually a good thing. Yeah. Get your attention, does Exactly, it? yeah. So we go get, do the blood work. Maddie is laid down for bed. We're laying there watching Seinfeld. And we get a call from the doctor and says, you need to go to Peyton Manning right now. As you can imagine, it's just a whirlwind from that wow. point. Because my wife and I were both hysterical, freaking out. We don't know sure. what's going on and frustrated. We are we are very faithful people. God is a massive part of our lives, and I just remember being so ticked off <laughs> that yes. God would take something away, like my parents, provide me something happy, like a daughter, and all of a sudden challenge me in this. Yeah. And ticked isn't the word that I was using oh, at that I... moment. I was so angry. Yeah. And the doctor walks in, they get all the the papers and everything, and Maddie is sitting there. Just happy as can be. She doesn't even know what's going on, obviously. She was only four months old at the time. Yeah. And the doctor says, I I need you guys to sit down. The blood work shows that Maddie has leukemia. And I kid you not, Brad, in that exact moment, I had never heard my daughter laugh. (laughs) She cackled the largest cackle I have ever heard. And I just remember this. Let me get this straight. Is at that moment? At that moment. Simultaneously. The doctor said Maddie has leukemia, and Maddie, as a four-month-old baby, laughed hysterically. I don't know what. So this her couldn't
0: attention. be misconstrued as like a bubble or
2: a burp no. or anything. This no. was a it laugh. It was a, okay. a full-on laugh, which then turned into my wife and I laughing through tears. My father-in-law laughing through tears. Wow. The doctor confused as all get out as to why we're all laughing. <laughs> And then it was just months of n- not as much laughter. Sure, but that moment we we still cling to that moment. It sounds like that kind of set the tone in a way yeah. for the trials that went there were ahead of. Yeah, it was that moment of deeply knowing things were going to be okay, even though there were moments of is this going to be okay?
0: But describe for me what was
2: going through you. Said you were ticked and mad in
0: one level, and your daughter laughed. But put your reporter's hat on for a second. What was it like? What was the vibe? What was the smells, the colors of the colors around you? Tell
2: me, set the scene for me when this happened. It was... It was so cold in there. I'll never forget how cold it was in there. And part of that was it was November anyway. So it was going to be cold. I remember it being very cold and it smelled just like any hospital. And and I hate hospitals. I hate them. My mom was in them all the time, battling cancer. My youngest brother is is mentally handicapped and he was, we were always in the hospital for things with him. So I just, they're already icky to me. Sure. And they just have that sterile, cold smell. Peyton Manning. Children's hospital, one of my favorite places on planet earth, simply because they've really tried to pull that away and they try to make that a little bit easier on yeah. you at least. But I I remember feeling trapped because we went from, you need to go to the hospital to you're now staying at the hospital because we got to figure this out. So that decision was made right then. Right then. Okay. They They got her a room. They put us in a room. They said, you're going to be here for, we don't know how long, because there was a lot of stuff that needed to be done because they couldn't tell what form of leukemia it was in the moment. Turns out it was a rare form called JML, which has some long meaning and I don't know. But it's intimidating. All those things are intimidating. intimidating. So intimidating. We get to the hospital room. They get Maddie comfortable. They start putting in the pick line for her in her arm because they know they're going to be drawing a lot of blood and all that and makes it a little bit easier, so you don't them every time. And I just remember my wife and I just sitting in there on those cold plastic beds, just crying. Just yeah. what is next? When, and why are we doing this? But those big ne- big needles and little ba- little babies. And that was, now. I think that was the hardest part too. And we didn't stay at Peyton Manning because when they found out it was JMML, they said, you got to get a bone marrow transplant. That's the only way to take care of this. Okay. And they don't do them at Peyton Manning. They don't do bone marrow transplants. So they said, you're going to Riley. And boy, was that a genuinely a factually life-saving move but just for us too just such a great thing to happen because we met some lifelong friends through that and family we we call them family this is one of my favorite stories but when it's your child there's a lot of information that you have to process understand okay what's it going to do to my child that's like a booklet and and it's basically their opportunity the doctors to say here are all the things that go right and here are all the things that go wrong and the heaviness of that oh, moment, man. isn't it? It's just so dang heavy. And doctors, God love them. They do amazing work. They're not typically comedians. They're not typically great talkers. Right. So it's just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's over and you're like, dude, I need you to get through this. Let's speed it up. And our the nurse practitioner, Paula Tao, one of the coolest characters you'll ever meet in your life. She comes in and she plops herself down on the middle of the floor, just sits down. And I'm thinking what the heck is this woman doing right now in the middle of this? And turns out she was the biggest blessing in the world to us, to the point that, in fact, a, a beloved family member now, the girls stay there all the time at her house and, and yeah. all that. Because
0: she's got a personality exactly and was personable. Exactly. And, and that's and a that part of the healing, healing process, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And so the bone marrow transplant was, is a process in and of itself too because you got to figure out, you got to find a match, you got to do all of that you don't know if you're going to one of those things. The one thing that we had that we knew we had was our faith. We prayed a lot daily, multiple times a day, hourly, just dependent upon what was going on. And so they do a bone marrow aspiration, which is essentially they take a massive needle, they shove it into your bone, your hip bone, typically pull out some bone marrow to have it tested to see what situation you got going on. And, I and with the little baby, no.
0: did you guys have to hold her while she so, was being
2: – you physically hold her when she yeah, was having that done? My wife couldn't. She couldn't be a, a part of that. It was too much. and And to her credit, she was there every single day seeing everything. I was going back and forth from work, mm-hmm. working at the TV station where I ended up – going into news anchoring. And so I was driving back and forth from that. But I remember showing up and she's like, I, I, I can't. I need you to take her because we had to take her to another room where they were then going to give her medicine to put her to sleep to be right. able to do this. And they're, they're just going to sleep. You're just giving them anesthesia. But it looks like she is just going lifeless, right? That and you're lamp just. And all that. I'll yeah, it's, it's mind boggling. You're holding her and you just. And you're that. holding her, right? Yeah. And so then I lay her down and I walk out because I can't watch him shove a massive needle into her hippie. I don't like getting my flu shot, let alone watching sure. that happen to my daughter. So need to find a match for that. There's a great organization called Be The Match worldwide, and they literally swab people daily. You could go to be, Ma- be The Match right now, and they would send you a swap kit. You can get on the registry to be able to be a donor if you were ever a match for someone. And we were so blessed to find a perfect 10 out of 10 match. Mm-hmm. We found a three of them. Oh, my goodness. And then it's like this weird anticlimactic moment because this is all happening over months. But it feels like a whirlwind. And you're like, all right, today's the day for the bone marrow transplant. And they walk in with this little dinky, like, four-inch bag of blood. And Hmm, they go, all right, lay her down. We're going to put it in her pick line. And then you sit there for four hours while it slow drips. So before all of that, though, there was a week of intense chemotherapy having watched my mother go through chemotherapy several times. So you had this history going in. Yeah.
0: And you'd seen the demise of your mother and you can't help but just project this on your daughter,
2: right? Absolutely. Immediately. And I remember watching my mom go through that, getting sick and not wanting to eat. And so I had an understanding of what my daughter might be going through. When you brush a baby's hair, and watch that hair come out on the brush. Jeez. Oh, that is a moment that you wake up in cold sweats 10 years later for. Yeah. And I love coming across that picture. I, I, of course, I took a picture of it. I'm a journalist, right? Like sure. I documented everything.: Sure. I love seeing that picture because I remember immediately the feeling that I had of just like, nothing else matters. I, nothing. I love yeah. my job. It doesn't matter. The only thing that mattered in that moment was her, and making sure she was going to get to live a happy. And let's talk about her, your daughter yeah. Maddie. How did she, even
0: as an infant, as a little girl, help you and your wife and anybody else in your family
2: navigate all this, or did she? She's an infant. So. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that surprised people when I talk about this too. Is you learn a lot from a baby going through cancer, right? Like they cry for the same reasons they would cry if they were not having cancer. It makes day in and day out operations in your life seem very small. If you notice an infant battling for their life, who cares if I get a flat tire? Like, is that the worst thing that can happen in my life? Probably not. It's perspective, right? Yeah. It's all about perspective. And I remember just thinking like, how is this person who is, who has no understanding of life, Already so insanely strong. She doesn't know what she's living for. She has no reason, honestly, at this point to live. Yeah. Why would she? Yeah. But she still fought.
0: Hey, my friend, I just wanted to share with you that uh, here on Cancer and Comedy, we have a special gift for you that's going to help you if you're impacted uh, by cancer in your life and you want to do something about it. It's, it's our free course. We call it the HHH or Triple H course, which stands for Healing Through Hope and Humor. It helps you to develop your cancer coping credo, a statement that's going to help you get, get through that. It's a free course. just takes you. It's a five short sessions. It's all audio. You can get that free course at cancerandcomedy.com slash free. Because you, your understanding of awareness may be different than hers, yeah. and yet there is a sense of an awareness that something
2: profound has happened. Absolutely. Watching her do that was just a mind-boggling experience. The experience that you had
0: has changed your life profoundly, correct? Oh, it's, yeah. And so that changes everything in how you do life yourself and yeah. your marriage and your parenting of both of your daughters and how you serve others in your job so let's talk for a, a few minutes or cody about how the lessons you learned from that laughter of maddie yeah carries you through to what you're doing now and how there may be some things that we can uh, share with others. What are some
2: actions that that you took that may be transferable to other folks? Focusing on your, all of your focus is on your child. And that's part of parenthood anyway, right? You have a new child every holiday, whatever. Is like, oh, where's the baby? You don't ever think about yourself. You got to take a minute to think about yourself through that because you don't realize how exhausted you are. Mm-hmm. I passed down an elevator during that whole process. I I didn't realize I hadn't eaten in two days because you're so focused on other things. My wife and I, and this is simply because we had amazing nurses they would be very adamant about, you need to go for a walk. Why don't you go get some dinner? Just the two of you. And we had probably more dates in the time that my daughter was in the hospital than we had in those three months before she was in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember we were able to reconnect on a different level where now we both were fighting for the same thing. We both, our marriage, while important, wasn't the most important thing in that moment. And we were able to figure that out that, there was more to this world than just me and her. And so I think that a big thing you can do and need to do is really just take a second and say, how am I feeling right now? So, so I, a couple it, of things things. Self-care for sure. Relationship care. Absolutely. Your, your marriage or a relationship. It's like an asinine number. I think it's like over 50% of marriages end in divorce that's, when you're talking childhood cancer. That's where I was going to go with this. Yeah. This is a, the cancer
0: is devastating to not only your physical health, but yeah. it impacts so many other people. Yeah. And it can impact things to the negative. Yeah. Uh, divorce being one of those things. And understandably. You, yeah. Oh, it's crushing. Yeah. It'll, it'll crush you if you let it. That's why you've got to be active and take action to crush it. Yeah. The way I like to look at it, to, we like to say, turn the grim into a grin, try to take the this grim thing and to switch around
2: with your attitude and things like that. So, type of thing. Routines are huge. Yeah. You got to have a routine because it's really easy to get out of that routine. When you're living in a hospital room, like my oh, wife yeah. was. It's real simple to not know what time of day it is. Oh, yeah. You don't know when your show that you usually watch is coming, all those things. You're out of your, you're in a bubble. Yeah. You're in a a bubble there. Quite literally. For her, she had immunodeficiency. Yeah, because she, was she in one of those actual bubbles? She was in a a HEPA room, so they naturally filtered the air, but same concept. Same idea, Yeah.
0: Let's talk for a minute about another aspect here that I think is important for people who really want to, if people really want to get through this, and that's where we're going with this, Cody, how can we, you and I, in our conversation here be helpful yeah. to that couple going through this similar thing, but how was a connection to a higher power spiritual life or any aspect along this, uh, How what role did it play, if any, in,
2: in getting through this and coping? Comfort. It was simply knowing that in the end, if you really, truly believe what you've been taught over life or whatever is that it's going to work out in the end. You don't know how, you don't know what that looks like, but you know that God is in control of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you believe that God's will is really at hand here and what you're following, whether she makes it through it or not, that's part of the plan. And sometimes the plan sucks, Mm -hmm. at least initially, I certainly thought that was the case when my both my parents passed away, right? Like, this plan sucks. Yeah. Like, what's the yeah. deal here? Then I find out I'm going to have a daughter, right? And that's part of the plan. And then you find out your daughter's sick. Well, that sucks. That sucks, yeah. But then your marriage is reignited and you start to realize, oh, there's something here. We're now becoming a family and this is the most important thing. And now you have a second daughter and now you enjoy every single day that you would see that child wake up because you spent months not knowing if they were going to. So that's the
0: cherish
2: aspect. Yeah, of absolutely. This. And that's, you know, I believe when you talk about words like
0: cherish and that type of thing, there is a spiritual aspect to that. Yeah. There's that spiritual vibe that comes into play. Uh, I call it the vertical and the horizontal. The, the, the vertical is between us and God and the horizontal is between us and one another. And that works best when you have that flow of spiritual energy that goes both up and down, yeah. both up and, and to others, as it were. And so I'd like to think strategically for a second, what changed or what are some of the habits or principles or practices that changed for either for you personally or as a family or for us? As some people journal big part of what they do and it integrate some of these things we've already talked about. But tell me how life changed for you and your family.
2: So it's gone through a lot of different changes because When you get through that, you have a lot of PTSD Mm -hmm. and legitimate PTSD. You smell something and it takes you right back there. You get real sick to your stomach and you start to get real sad and all of that. And then maybe you hear something that kind of makes you smile a bit and think about a happy moment through that and really navigating that immediate after is our thing. Also, one of the things that isn't talked about enough, and I tell parents, I've been fortunate in this platform to get to talk to a lot of people going Mm -hmm. through similar things. It's okay to be ticked off at the people around you a little bit because you'll find out that they're there in the moment and you're so grateful for that support. For them, there's an end point, right? When they get the all clear, oh, your daughter's healthy, they go, oh, great. Our job is done. We were there for them through that hard time. but There's a lot of hard times after that, navigating that. And yeah. those people... Are there if you call on them but they 're not there at your door with that casserole or whatever, mm-hmm. and navigating that is really hard. You feel this loneliness because for so long you 've had all these people surrounding you start to take each day a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. and you start to really focus on what makes you happy and what makes Maddie happy, what makes Ella happy. Because you don't know that you're going to get those days to enjoy that happiness. We didn't when we had Ella, we were first time parents again (laughs) because we didn't have a real first time parenthood experience. You had that major crisis intervention situation and simple things like I always tell this story, teething. Maddie started teething. She was on morphine. She didn't go through any teething pains. <laughs> she was on a full on morphine drip. There you go. There's a plus. Right? She didn't have to deal yeah. with the teething. The uh, withdrawal best. was yeah. strange when she got addicted to it because they're yeah. giving her morphine every whatever, two hours or whatever it was. So that was strange. But when Ellis are going teething, I'm like, man, this is annoying as all get out. like, <laughs> why? You... Maddie didn't cry at all. So yeah. little things like that. It's OK that that life was strange for one child. And if you have a second child, it's even stranger because you've never done that. Yeah. Those sorts of experience. things. Yeah. Every experience in life is
0: a learning experience.
2: What you do with it matters
0: because yes. people can be devastated and crushed by it or they can build upon that and do something out of the pain to pursue something that is of value and serve others. Yeah. So that's where I like to take this. How do you think you can serve other people with love yeah. out of this painful experience? What are you doing That is helpful here that you think is helpful to others in in serving them.
2: First and foremost, I got to give credit to my wife. I've already talked about how great she is. She's the smartest person I know. She is on speed dial for a lot of those doctors and nurses when it comes to, hey, we got a parent who's going through this. They've they've got an eight-month-old who now has leukemia. Would you just talk to them? And just let them know your thoughts. Some
0: sort of a network or she is yeah. your wife is yeah. some sort of a network being to able help with it.
2: Yeah. And she was because, again, I'm a journalist and she's a social media guru, all these things. We documented a lot of this. And Mandy's story got out there to a lot of people because it was happening while I was working in Terre Haute. And so I did a lot of stories on her. People were constantly asking. I still get emails here in Indianapolis when I lived in Texas. I would get emails. From just viewers in Terre Haute go, hey, how's your daughter doing? Yeah. How did things turn out? Because they want to know. They wanted to follow that. And so because of that, there are people who just reach out of the blue and go, hey, I was Googling this. I saw your daughter went through this. What do I need to know? And there are things that you don't realize that you need to know. Simple things like you and I were just talking about, like go get lunch. Like your daughter's going to be okay. Guess what? She's hooked up to a bunch of wires. She's not going anywhere. There are nurses there twenty four seven. It's okay to walk and get a pizza, like yeah. because you feel this guilt, right? You don't want to leave the bedside. What if something sure. happens? Sure. Guess what? If something happens, they're probably going to let you know. For me, I I get this platform working here. I do a lot of stories, whether it's with Riley, Peyton Manning, and I've gotten to meet a lot of parents who. I remember the moment that they're in. I remember going through that. And it's so nice to be able to sit down and tell them it's going to be okay because I'm proof and my daughter's proof. And I can't promise, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm not a doctor. I'm sure. I'm not all being, but I can't promise they're going to survive, but I can promise that, y- that you will get through it in some capacity.
0: Yeah. You've got the privilege of a platform here, don't yes, you? Yes, very and, much so. Uh, and, and so the idea here, I believe, Cody, is to, Take advantage for your platform to give you purpose moving forward, whatever it is. I use podcasting and my ministry as a platform for what I like to share. And it seems like you've been able to leverage that in a way and you've been given opportunity to do that. So tell me a story about how that platform has allowed you to do something cool or to deal with that you saw. Okay, something we talked about here did make a difference for something beyond my own little Experience.
2: Yeah. I did almost immediately when I got here. We do these things called inside stories. They're big, long form, five, six piece stories. And I did one on childhood cancer. I was able to meet with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, talk with them just about ways that they're constantly trying to get funding. Funding is the biggest issue right now when it comes to cancer research, specifically in children. Only 4% of government funding goes to childhood cancer research, which seems crazy. And then also when you learn that children are going through the same chemotherapy that you and I would go through Mm -hmm. is even crazier. Like, how is a a four-month-old child getting the same chemo that a 34-year-old man could get? That doesn't seem to make sense. And why aren't we figuring out ways to change that? Being able to do a a big five-part series and share the stories of another young teenage girl. She just beat cancer a second time. 17 years old, she's had cancer twice. You start to look at your story and go, boy, that's not nearly as bad as what she's going through right like one time with cancer that seems pretty easy compared to two times and you get to share stories of people who otherwise wouldn't get to share their story and then you get to understand those people and know those people and then you get to watch her go off and go to college and now she's going to be a nurse and there and I just love that aspect of it I love that there are people battling everyday life that you and I don't know and I get to share those stories with the community. And maybe it helps. Maybe somebody gets a donation. Maybe somebody yeah. gets that gas card they need to get to the hospital. I don't know. I call those lifter uppers. That, that,
0: exactly. I call, that's the name. In fact, I'd like to call the followers of my, of my show the lifter uppers yeah. because those are things that lift you up. But what, tell me a story about the
2: absurdity or something that made you laugh. So this is a pseudo sad one, but also a, a very happy one because when Maddie is on a, a trial and on a study because of this form of cancer that she has. So when she was first going through the chemotherapy, they were, they were doing a, a trial and a study to find out which type of chemotherapy would be best. So there was an A arm and a B arm of chemotherapy. One was more intense. The A arm was gonna be way more intense than the B arm. And they were trying to see if this B arm was gonna work. So they had 10 kids on this study 10 of them, or 20 kids, 10 of them were going to get the A arm, 10 were going to get the B arm. And we were, we were like, Maddie's got to get the B arm because we want that lesser chemotherapy. That's going to be so nice. We don't have to go through the hard stuff. She didn't get it. She gets on the A arm and we're like, it's the worst thing ever. We think it's the end all be all. And come to find out, the other arm didn't work. Like at all. Like none of those kids made it, which is awful. But... We're literally a coin flip away from her being on the right path to living. Mm-hmm. Like and and science, that's how science works, right? Like sure. you gotta have trial and you gotta have error to find the right answer. But I just remember like that moment thinking, holy cow, like how is it that we thought we knew so much, right? We thought we knew that had to be the one she needed to be on because that was gonna be the best for her. And we were so mad that she got the other one. And then it turns out if she hadn't gotten the harsher chemo, who knows where we'd be. This is one of the hard things, too, is the guilt that parents feel yeah. because you're in the hospital and you're on a, a cancer floor. So you're not the only person there with cancer. Yeah, Your well, yeah. You, isn't you the start only... to build a little bit of a network or camaraderie. With there may be folks. 15, 20 kids yeah. on a floor battling for their lives. Yeah. And guess what? The harsh reality is some of those kids don't go home. That's right. And you watch parents clean out some of those rooms and you go. Like, holy cow, what is, why are I'll we take, still those here?
0: Take your breath away. moment.
2: Yeah. Moment why is Maddie get to survive this? Yeah. How do you balance that now, nine, 10 years later, helping your child understand you are built for a greater purpose. We don't know what that purpose is. But then also balancing that with you're nine. So don't feel so much pressure to be so great. Like, it's so hard. Better be and, a kid. right? Yeah, And that's what we're dealing kid. with now. She but, wants to be so smart. She wants to be a doctor. And we're like, that's awesome. You're nine. Let's chill out a little yeah, bit. Let's get through fourth grade. Exactly. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me, because you mentioned that
0: she went through this as an infant, and You mentioned a couple of times that she's nine right yeah, now. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Just give us the update. How's she doing? Oh, my doing? gosh. She's the smartest kid. On planet, I, I'm biased, but she is so brilliant. She says stuff where I'm like, I don't even know. It. Her teacher this, last year, they're talking about continents. And the teacher is Africa is the, the largest continent. And, and Maddie's like, I, I think it might be Asia. And she's just, no, I'm pretty sure it's Africa. And she's like, I'm pretty sure it's Asia. <laughs> and and sure enough, she's just, you're right. And, and But just like stuff like that. Watching and you go, like, yeah, yeah, that's my exactly, kid. <laughs> exactly. She's She loves softball. She just recently, the last couple of years, has fallen in love with the sport. And I love watching her out there. She got hit. She's in kid pitch. She got hit like twice in the same game, in the same spot, right in the kidney. Just a ball pelted her. And most kids would really take that hard not her she took off to first base she knew she she's got her, her base way. and i i have 0. 0.0 doubt knowing that's because of what she's been through because she's tougher than all. get you've
0: learned a lot from her haven't oh you? my gosh because she she keeps on her laugh at the moment of diagnosis has sustained you yeah and the joy she's bringing you now Keeps it going, right? My God. That, that
2: laughter keeps going, doesn't it? Comedy and laughter is such a huge part of our family. And now that she's getting older, she understands jokes and she understands how to use her cancer diagnosis in those jokes. And yeah. I find that beyond hilarious. Even simple things like, Hey, you need to get your room clean. She's like, oh, Dad, I just I'm not feeling it today. <laughs> oh, I've been through so much oh, in life, and I'm like, oh, listen, I love you so oh. much. You're nine years old. You're healthy. Get your tail upstairs. Yeah, and get that room clean. Go.
0: You got to balance the parenting with the, exactly. the passion yes. and all that yes. stuff. That she's goes, so, goes there, she's so funny, and we'll we all laugh. Just for one moment, put yourself in that position. If there's somebody out there who's got a kiddo, infant, or whatever, leukemia was the diagnosis. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Just one word of encouragement, Cody, for that
2: mom and dad going through this? I would simply say, just love your child. Take the opportunity to to love on them and spend each second knowing they, that you're there to make them feel loved because they may not know what they're going through. And even if they do know what they're going through, Like, they know that they have you there, right? So just show that love to them and know that there's help. If you need help, don't be afraid to call someone and say, hey, I'm really struggling. I just started going to therapy like a couple months ago. It's awesome. Having that opportunity to talk it out and say, I'm mad. I'm ticked off. But knowing that there's going to be something good on the other side of this, hopefully, is what you cling to in that. Love on them. Yep and reach out for help for you. Absolutely. That's good.
0: Cody, if people want to be in contact with you and learn more about what you're about, how can they find out more about about Cody
2: Adams? Yeah, of course, Facebook, Cody Adams TV, Instagram, Cody Adams TV, X, Cody Adams TV. Basically anything, Cody Adams TV, Google me, and you'll find me. You can also reach me here at Wish TV. I love chatting with people and, and getting to hear stories. And so you may not think that you have a story, but I promise you, you do. And I would love to hear it. You're a great storyteller and also a great story
0: listener. Thank you. And I certainly appreciate that. Our guest today on Cancer and Comedy, Cody Adams from Wish TV Indianapolis. Thank you, Cody, for being our guest here on Cancer and Comedy.
2: Thank you. I certainly appreciate it.
1: Oh, my gosh. That was absolutely incredible. You know, several things that I took from Cody and his conversation. One was that he emphasized that as parents going through something like that, you absolutely have to take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, he mentioned the fact that he, he went on more dates with his wife during yes. that time, which, you know, isn't that just incredible to, to be thinking about that? But I think, you know, as caregivers, They get so wrapped up in taking care of whoever it is that they don't take care of themselves. And and obviously, when it is a child, that is a totally different situation. But he really did emphasize how important it is to take care of yourself during that time. And then he also mentioned, you know, make sure that you do things during this time that make you happy. You know, you can focus so much on your child that you do forget, you know, what to do. And, and he said, you know, think about those things. Like he said, you're going on dates with your spouse. What, what are some things that can make you happy during this time?
0: love that. And I, I got the sense that it also helped for Cody and his wife and other people involved to keep things in perspective. Right, You know, he was a very, in the television world, he was kind of a career-driven guy, and that's that's cool. I, many of us are, whatever mm-hmm. they're about. But uh this kind of stops you in your tracks. Bad enough when anybody gets cancer, but when your four-month-old daughter gets this mm-hmm. image here. And I love kind of how Cody also kind of set the scene for it. About the environment they were going through, you know, how the sights and the sounds. That's what Kenny put his reporter hat on, and how he kind of set the scene for us. Because you are stopped in your tracks there. And how tension of the moment was broken by the laughter. And he really said it was one of the first times he heard his daughter laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. And isn't that a cool moment? Isn't that a cool Mm -hmm. moment that really, no matter what, your daughter has been able to give you an uplifting experience. uplifting moments here and to help he and his wife particularly to cope in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then it's an ongoing thing. There's lots of ups and downs and all kinds of things. He talked a lot about kind of living a life in a bubble. He talked about all the uh, going through the testing and the the process of getting bone marrow match and mm-hmm. so on. How, what, what the struggle that is all about. He also talked about how that little girl, that four month old little girl and through the course of her treatment was a source of strength and resilience. How can that be, Deb, that a baby, that a baby offers strength and uh yeah, resilience?
1: Definitely. And he and he obviously talked about how important his faith was to both he and his wife during the entire process. And and actually realizing if they lost Maddie, it was God's will. And to realize, oh my gosh, you know, we could lose our daughter, but it's okay.
0: Well, there's a certain aspect of reality smacks you in the face when when cancer happens, but in a child particularly, and I've, I've been privileged in many ways to be with people when they've had dramatic times, including the loss of a child. The most difficult funerals I ever conducted, by far, were the ones of infants that I Always. had. to do. But I also remember those as being a very memorable moments where mm-hmm. family was challenged but came together. Right. And, but it is a huge, uh, huge challenge, it is a traumatic experience. It also disrupts the normalcy of life, normal childhood, and the normal right. flow of a family. Uh, life And that's uh, something to consider. But I also think it's cool how out of this pain, Cody was able to uh, and his family and his daughter and his wife and uh, other daughter are able to share others, uh, how to share with others their, their story. Right, And, and how much they
1: continue to help others.
0: And one of the cool things is he mentions quite often in his lifestyle oriented show that he has about his daughter you know, having cancer and the process of getting through it, and he's done a number of stories, including a long series of stories about uh, cancer, childhood cancer in particular. uh, But that's been a part of his platform Mm -hmm. then, he's been able to to share this uh, process to be helpful to others. And I think that's a good good thing when we can use our platforms, whatever they are. Well, I I think we had a good conversation with Cody and we'll use that and hey, we can learn from kids, can't we? We can learn from kids.
1: Always, always, we can learn from them. Definitely. Well, now it's time for our Cancer and Comedy segment, Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day.
0: Here's a wintertime story that's sure to hook you. Up north during the winter, a man got a little bit, uh, had a little bit too much to drink. And he decided one night, that night, to go ice. Fishing, So he grabs his fishing rod and his bucket and his equipment and his drill thing. He needs to put a hole in the ice and he heads out onto the ice and he takes uh, out his equipment, his saw to cut a hole in the ice. And just he's about ready to fire that thing up. He hears a tremendous booming voice coming from above you'll find no fish there. Kind of stunned, the man was. looks around and it's kind of dark and he doesn't really see anything and he can't figure out where the voice is coming from and he kind of scratches his head and for a moment and he, he says, well, maybe if I'll move to a different area, maybe That'll work out okay. So he moves to a different area, and he gets his equipment out. And just to get, he's getting ready to fire up this uh, big drill thing to cut a hole in the ice. And just then, this thunderous, booming voice comes again from above. You'll find no fish there. Now the guy's really rattled. He shook up, and he he thinks a voice from above telling me. There's no fish here. It must be the Lord. And so he calls out, Is that you, Lord? Is that you, Lord? And the voice from above booms out again. No! The voice replies, This is the manager of the skating rink.
1: Well, folks, it is now time for one of my favorite parts, our listener lifter stories, because we love hearing from you and hearing your stories of faith and hope. Did you know that you can tell us your story? Just go to cancerandcomedy.com slash voice message and let us know your story.
0: In our listener lifter upper segment, Alice Grisey, talks about how she utilized a diary to record some of the thoughts that she had, some of them quite positive, when she was dealing with cancer in her life.
1: You know, it's almost like a delayed response, if I can say it that way. And it's interesting, I actually found found uh, the diary that I was writing, you know, when I was going through cancer. And if you read the diary, what you see is, rather overall positive thinking. I was, I had a very, very strong will to live. You know, I was making plans about the things I wanted to do, the travels I wanted to to do, and also changes that I wanted to make in my life. So if I read the diary, it was, it was very, it was rather positive at, at that time. Lifters, let's now turn to Dr. Brad's Faith It or Break It segment.
0: In our Faith It or Break It segment, I just want to tell you about some experiences that I've had with little children in sickness and illness. My own daughter was a preemie baby, which meant that I spent about six weeks in the neonatal intensive care ward when she was born, and she's doing great now. She's in her mid-30s, and I have two wonderful grandchildren uh, from her. So that's an incredible blessing in and of itself. As a pastor and with my own daughter and and the children's care ward, I've seen this type of scene play out more than once. Set the scene for you. It's a common area where they're in in the cancer ward or the children's health care ward in a hospital. There's a play area and there is a gathering there of some moms and dads and a number of children who are playing with toys and some have IVs on and some have other situations as well where you can tell there's injury or illness, but they're playing as they do. And I've seen this type of situation more than once. I'll just call out this one little girl who had a pink band around her head and obviously had been treated with chemo or some other reason that she lost her hair, but she had this beautiful headband on and a beautiful uh, gown, a beautiful pinkish gown. And for some reason A woman, who I believe, was her mother was sitting there crying and sobbing deeply, deep, deep sobs. And the little girl, who I have to assume was the one who was sick with cancer or some other bad disease, was wiping away her mother's tears and comforting her. Sometimes parents and adults think we are the ones to comfort children. But there's a lot we can learn from children. We learned a lot lot about that today from uh, our interview that we had we learned about a, the laughter of a small child, was comforting. I just think it's important in our Faith at a Break It segment that we understand that, that good things, can, comfort can come from all places, including those who are afflicted, including children. In the Bible, Jesus made a point in Luke 18, among some other places, to lift up children as being not only of value, but having incredible impact. In that uh, verse in Luke 18, somebody brought some little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples, some of the followers of Jesus, wanted them to kind of go away and told the kind of berated the parents for bothering Jesus. And Jesus said uh, said to those kind of in the authority of the disciples, and he said, no, no, no. Let the little children come here to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like little children children. And I tell you the truth, if anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So that word from Jesus, I think rings true as we deal with cancer and other bad diseases. We can learn from the children. We can learn from those children who are the embodiment of the kingdom of God is what Jesus says. So let me encourage you when you're around any child, to listen to them. Be a good listener of children. And even if they're sick, or even if you're sick, let the comfort go both ways. Don't be, allow yourself to be broken by your circumstances. But have faith that, yes, even a child can be a source of joy and comfort and even laughter. That's our Faith It or Break It segment.
1: lifter uppers it's time to wind down this episode of cancer and comedy with dr brad miller we like to call folks like you who follow cancer and comedy lifter uppers or lifters for short because cancer and comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt with healing through hope and humor You can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at Cancer and Comedy slash voice message. You can also keep up with everything Cancer and Comedy through our Cancer and Comedy Chronicles newsletter at newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. Well, that's it for now. Please join us next time on Cancer and Comedy. And if you like what you hear, please pass our podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin. For Dr. Brad Miller, I'm Deb Creer reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy podcast with Dr. Brad Miller make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com, where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.